Welcome to Old Fashioned Finance, the podcast that mixes cocktails and high finance. I'm your host, Caleb Frankert, and I'm joined by my good friend and fellow money muddler, Jason Burnell. Caleb, can a podcast about finance be entertaining? Not this one. <laughs> Let's mix it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, threw me one, of the, one of these days, we're going to have to stick to that I and know. just do it the right way. Yeah. Who needs a script? Hey, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. Back doing in good. the saddle again. I'm excited about this drink. So, yes. Uh, I like me some tequila. So this is... we're Folks, we're drinking the Paloma today, which something I didn't realize. We are, we're creeping up on Cinco de Mayo. Oh, yeah. Last year, we had a margarita yes. podcast yes. with Cinco de Mayo, right? Yeah. Uh, we think of that as Mexico's drink of choice. Kind of like how we think of, uh, uh, what's the... The mule? Corona. No, 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 no. Kind of oh. how we think of Corona as the yeah. Mexican beer. But when you go to Mexico, they're like, Corona, seriously? seriously? We drink soul. Yeah, they don't They don't drink margaritas, apparently? I don't know. No, they, I mean, they do. But not like they drink Palomas. Well, I mean, a, <laughs> an American margarita is super sweet, so... Yes. This is not. This is not. We're drinking Palomas today, which is the national drink of Mexico... Happy birthday. Yeah. Happy independence from France. <laughs> I don't even know how to celebrate that. <laughs> I don't know. I love that we get to celebrate it I here in even, the States. I, I don't even know a single like line of the like Mexican national anthem. or. Well, I mean, what, what does it... I, I'm, I'm not uh, trivializing it, but what does it really mean to Americans? It, it's a day to drink margaritas. Yeah. And, yeah. and eat, eat Mexican food. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm for- I'll take it. <laughs> you forward or again it. Sounds like a win to me. <laughs> Cool. So we're drinking Palomas today, Jason, and you spoiled it. You gave it away. Yeah, there is tequila in this drink. Mm. <laughs> so what, what we have in front of us here, and neither of us have tried it, this might be one of those that we have to pause and go make another drink. We'll yeah, see. Yeah, we'll see. But uh, what we've got here is two ounces of tequila, a half an ounce of fresh squeezed lime juice, yes, grapefruit soda slash grapefruit juice, pick your poison, to top it with, garnish with a lime wheel and salt the rim, optional. Uh, we, yeah. we didn't salt it. I would like to salt it, but we, for some reason, didn't have any. We've been drinking too many margaritas here at the <laughs> office, apparently. So uh, basically take all your ingredients, shake it up shake in a shaker, up. strain it out onto uh, in, in a rocks glass or a, a coupe glass uh, with some ice in it, and away you go. It yeah. looks like a mar- margarita. I mean, it, really it looks does. like it. It kind of smells like it. This one we made with soda. We used Fresca. Yeah. So this is an easy drink to make. It's very easy to make. Let's see how it turned out, All Jason. Right. Cheers. Oh, delightful. Ooh, that's great. Oh, Ooh. man. So I am not a grapefruit fan, Jason. That's really good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Wow. That's a summer drink right there. Man, we've been on like a summer run for a while. I love it. We can well, tell. Well, darn it. We're ready for summer already. This it's is, been six this, months of this nonsense. This is uh, this is really good. And again, like to be able to just get a lime and some tequila and mm-hmm. some fresca, mm-hmm. I mean, That's, that doesn't take anything. No, no. And uh, this is probably not the freshest of limes, but... uh, It wasn't even green, man. (laughs) (laughs) It works. It works. It's okay. I do wonder what this would taste like with uh, grapefruit juice. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I mean, if you like the more sour, Mm -hmm. a little bit more like the sweet and sour kind of taste, this is really good though. I mean, Fresca is not exactly like super potent, you know? Well, maybe that's why I like this because I'm not super grapefruity. Yeah. No, this is good. This is good. All right. I can drink this. Me too. Actually, we're going to mix these more often. I might like this better than the margaritas. I knew you were going to say that. It's just not as sweet, which is good. Yeah. But, I mean, 
margaritas, limes, tequila, you know. Yep. It's it's, it's very working similar. for me. Yeah. It's working for me. I like it. Yeah. Some uh, margaritas are just actually overly sweet. So. We have a joke in the office here. Jamie, uh, one of our relationship managers, has liked none of the drinks out of this. <laughs> and, you know, how many episodes? 55 episodes in. Has liked none of them whatsoever. She's such I, a trooper, though. She tries them, which is just like... I, I take it back. She did like the margarita. Uh, oh, well, this might be... Uh, she this, might like this yeah, one. This. We, we thought it would be funny, actually, to bring her on as part of the show every week and say, okay, you know, put a microphone in front of her and say, here you go, taste it. What do you think? Just because the reaction. Yeah. It's she's just not priceless. faking it. It's so natural. She <laughs> hates it. The look on her face. Yeah, it's it's... It's great entertainment. It so. is. It is. We, I mean, we're looking for entertainment in our day today. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, this one she might like. Dare I say, anyone would like this. It's I understand. This is a national drink for a reason. <laughs> Let's just jump right into the finance topic, Jason. Today, title of the episode is "How much house can you afford?" Gosh, this is a timely. It is. Why is it timely? <laughs> Man, house prices are just... I mean, the housing market generally is just kind of crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the last couple of years have been nuts. In fact, I did write down some stats here. Did you know, Jason, that over the last year, and I'm going uh, end of March, year over year, in the United States, home prices, according to Redfin, are up 17.3% year over year. That is unbelievable. The old-fashioned way, the non-internet way. Ah, yeah, crinkle the newspaper. In front. There you go. The Wall Street Journal says the uh, Case-Shiller National Home Price Index up 19.8% in February. Oh, wow. Okay. That's nuts. It is. So some places, Atlanta, Austin, Texas, it's even more than that. Yeah. That's hard to even like you could put an offer in and on February first and the price of a house for sale next to you could be up thirty, forty percent. That's insane. That um, that is crazy. And you know, I actually heard something this morning on the radio, another old timey way of getting news. On AM radio. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> <laughs> uh actually um a lot of not necessarily trendy areas have become very, very popular. Right. Uh are, are there's kind of a boom. Uh one that they mentioned was Fort Collins, Colorado. Yep. Which I think was trendy at one time, but now not so much. Well now it's it's trendy again because it's one of the few affordable markets near near Denver. Affordable right? at the median home price of six hundred and thirty four thousand yeah. dollars. Affordable, right? Yeah. I mean just for the record, there's like probably eight houses for sale in our county. <laughs> and to I, I checked. And, it's more like forty. Okay, forty. But and still are that's... any of them six hundred thousand? Maybe five? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably I mean, so five. like we live in a very affordable area, don't get me wrong, but you well, know the, you say that, Jason. But here I, I have some other numbers written down. Zillow, and I, I don't always take Zillow to be a, not a gospel, super reliable but. source, but in Ohio, state of Ohio, which typically, yes, is a more affordable state to live in, one of the perks to living here and dealing with six months of winter, <laughs> uh, is you know year over year, 15.5%. So that's, that's still that's a pretty a big jump. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... This is this is timely, no doubt. So when we get into how much house you can afford, Jason, let's let's hit on some things that you need to consider because uh, actually I had a phone call with somebody earlier today who was asking me what range should I be looking in for buying a house, and I said, well, there's there's a lot of things that you have to consider, and it's not just 
the purchase price of the house, right? Let's let's factor all the things that go into that that mortgage payment and and the purchase of a house. Jason. Right, right. I've I've got some things listed here. Chime in here and tell me what I'm missing because I know when I bought my house, I thought I had everything figured out, and then you realize <laughs> all the things that you forgot. Kind of like having a baby, you know, when you feel really prepared, and then that little bundle of joy comes home, and you go, "I didn't know we needed this." Right. I didn't know I only get two minutes of sleep a day. <laughs> I didn't know I needed this and this and this, and then you go out and you're like, the budget is wrecked. Yeah. Uh, that can happen pretty quick with a house. Oh, definitely, it? definitely. Especially after you like you go shop, you get pre-approved. You're uh-huh. like, yeah, we can afford you know, three times what I should actually be pay, paying for a house. And you well, put an offer, you get accepted, and then you go to the bank. Yeah. And they start listing off things like, you know, uh, PMI. Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. So private mortgage insurance, you know, it's an additional cost. You know, you have that listed on your list. Well, let's talk about it. The first thing that everybody thinks about is P and I, principal and interest, right? right? What's your what's your payment, essentially? Exactly. And and yeah, here in the US of A, that's how we live. What's my payment? What's that's my right. payment? I know. Uh, and I get it. Uh, we could go back and forth and say, well, that, you know, we, sh- we shouldn't do it that way. But when it comes to your house, that's a big purchase. Look, most people have to finance a house. I get But that. do yourself a favor. Get online. Do an amortization schedule. Look at what it looks like. So you understand... Okay, what this means. Okay, what the difference between a 30 and a 15. Yeah. Just do the math. I mean, we're going to talk about that a little bit more, but yeah, I mean that that is where everyone starts. Well, we're going to get into some I, I think we're going to really dig deep in this. We're going to talk about all the things that go into a a, a payment, uh, all the things you need to consider, the different types of financing, uh, and then some good old we're going to put some math behind it. Right. We're going to talk about some good rules of thumb as far as, far as how much you really ought to have you know, based on your income, based on the total debt you're servicing in your household and things like that on a monthly basis. So let's jump into the things to consider, Jason. Obviously, P&I, principal and interest. Don't forget about taxes and insurance, right? What taxes? <laughs> P&I and T&I, right? Yes. Yeah. That's right. Uh, don't forget about closing costs, right? And they're high. Yeah, they it's can thousands be. of dollars. I mean, especially, I mean, if you're talking a $600,000 house, right, it's usually a percentage that we're working off of. So think about how you're going to pay for closing costs. Companies who, who finance loans are, are really good about, you know, just rolling that into the loan. But going back to the amortization schedule, like you said, r- roll your closing costs in and see what you're paying over 30 years on those closing costs. Exactly. Do you want to do you want to scratch the check from your bank account in- instead uh, for those closing costs? You know, you might want to think about things like homeowners association fees, depending on where you're you're moving. Right. Yeah. Many of these places we were just talking about, those places have strict homeowners associations. The fees are hundreds of dollars every single month. And sometimes they do special assessments. Yeah. And so also, you, yeah, like taxes and insurance. Right. Uh, subject, you might get a fixed rate loan, right? But right. those things can be subject to change. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I've talked to folks over the years who said, I got a, a fixed rate loan. Why did my payment go up? Well, your taxes and insurance go up. Exactly. Usually they go up. They don't go down very often. Exactly. HOA fees. What about your down payment? This is a big one, especially when we get into the different types of loans and the, the types of financing, right? You got to think about your down payment taking a big chunk. This out of is your always a frustration budget. for me because you look at the, di- we're going to talk about the different loans and just mm-hmm. how, like, how much common sense has been removed <laughs> from like what they will allow you mm-hmm. um, to do and what you should do. Y- you know, if you're getting your advice solely from your banker, I'm sorry, sorry guys, but it may not be the best place to go when you're trying to trying to come up with exactly how much you can afford. Yeah. Down payments, the bigger, the better. Absolutely. Absolutely. The rule of thumb, it's 20%. It used to be. Yeah. Used to be. 
there are some different options out there, conventional options, but that used to be the norm, 20% down. And you didn't think about buying a house unless you had 20% down. It's not the case anymore. One other thing before we jump in, and we might as well get into that stuff here, but reno budget. I always think, think about the things that you want to change when you walk through a house and you go, I like this, but I would probably do this, right? You know, a lot of houses are advertised as move-in ready, but you're going to do something different. Yeah, so. that's a lie. These are things <laughs> that you got to budget in. You got to budget it in. And, and all is, of that stuff is expensive right now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, two by fours, drywall, paint, it doesn't matter. It's Plywood. all expensive. Finding contractors. Yeah. It's Good very, luck. very hard. So you got to turn HGTV off for a little <laughs> bit and yeah. and pull yourself into reality. Can you live with the house's condition or is it going to be a big renovation? Yeah. Can you live with the olive green toilet? <laughs> Definitely seen with those. The pink tile. <laughs> yeah, right? the Smurf blue bathtub. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get into different types of loans. And you and I are not necessarily loan experts, but we spent a good good part of our career before uh, coming here in in the bank world. And sure. Me, you know, well, you you did some lending too at one point. Yeah, in I mean, time. a long time so ago. Yep. We we've all we've ha- had some exposure to this type of stuff. But really, you know, before we get into the nuts and bolts, you've got fixed rate mortgages. Yep. You've got adjustable rate mortgages. Got the balloon type, right? Ooh. Where you make interest payments. That sounds and then fun. Yeah, balloons are fun <laughs> until they come due. Uh, balloon <laughs> payment, honestly. At this point, Jason, I would say, you know, you can research this stuff. But what I would say for those who are out there shopping right now, do not. Do not get put into an adjustable rate mortgage at this point Oh my in time. gosh, no. Interest rates are still low. Sure, they've come up over the last month or so. But the chances of them being lower going forward, especially 10 years out or, or 15 years out when that adjustable rate would adjust, in my opinion, slim. Well, um, and he, on this thing, you know, I mean, we need buyer beware because the mortgage company is going to entice you. If rates are 5% on a 30-year conventional loan today, you know, they're going to entice you with a arm adjustable rate mortgage that has an adjustment, but the rate today might be like 4%. It might be significantly lower. And so that's why people do it. And they say, oh, in seven years, you know, rates might come down. Yeah, we'll refinance or or we won't even be in the house. Most people don't live in houses that long. (laughs) You know, you just don't know where you're headed. So I'm going on year 16 of our five-year house, just so you know. You'll be there longer than what you think, most likely. Yeah, don't don't get roped into the adjustable rate. The balloon, I've seen some real financial disasters. Yeah, absolute catastrophes because of balloon payments. It just doesn't make sense at this point in time. And I mean, that's that's a loan you're going to have in the future, a giant payment due. Yep. Um, and it's it is it's, dangerous. It's the epitome of I ah, will worry about it later. That that right. whole idea, right? I don't have to come up with the cash now, but it's kind of like what Dave says about trying to out-earn your stupidity. Yeah, like, yeah, no, it's okay. Down the road, I'll have more money. Well, not if you keep acting the way you do. You won't. Well, the the crazy thing about this too is, you know, as as the uh, market gets tougher, buying houses, prices go up, interest rates are going up. People are just like foaming at the mouth. Mm-hmm. I mean, stupid gets invented. Okay, like they're going to come up with new things. They're going to sure. entice you. You know, the let's close your loan in 10 days by taking snapshots of your, you know, birth certificates and uploading them yeah. and all of a sudden you're good. Stupid starts to get created. So, don't don't be enticed by something that seems too good to be true. Um and I'm just it's a lot of caution during a period like this. Yeah. You don't want to get caught up uh because uh well in the stupidity like you say. Uh, the reason that they can get away with some of this stuff now is because home values at at this point in time uh, it can justify the stupidity, I guess. The appraisals will come back. 
It'll be okay until it's not. Now, where, where this gets tricky, Jason, and this is more economic, right? Uh, not personal finances. I, I can't, I just personally, I can't see home values coming down anytime soon. Uh, we don't have the inventory. The new builds are outrageous. Uh, I know. So really, where does this craziness stop? Interest rates go up. You think that's going to slow things down, but there are still enough buyers out there who are ready to, to buy. And, and honestly, there's more cash offers out there now too. So Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, uh, it's hard to predict a super soft landing in this in this area um, if we keep going at this pace. Um, but you know, people are building; they're still doing it. Um, you know, you might be upside down right out of the gate if house prices start to soften a little bit. But um, but but the trend has been builds haven't kept up with our population. No, growth, not even close. And that's uh, that's or the actually, demand for houses. What's crazy about that is that's still like a consequence of the two thousand eight two thousand nine yeah, financial absolutely. crisis. Like house uh, home builders just didn't get back into the game. They were they were bankrupt. They were yep. literally gone. And but you know again like what fueled up that housing crisis? Crazy loans, mm-hmm. hundred you know hundred and twenty percent financing. Um, you know, on the, on the value of the house, no down payments, no verifications of income. And you're starting to hear that like yeah. rumble again and Stated that did income. Yeah. So, you know, we gotta, that's why this is such an important episode. You got to get back to like the reality and you know, like, oh my gosh, a down payment. Yeah. Like put mm-hmm. some money, save money. You're making more than you've probably made in a long time because wages are up. Yep. Okay. Save some money and put a a really good chunk of money. Well, they down. were dropping it from helicopters over the past two years too. So that right. that was a pretty good opportunity to save some money for a down payment. But I needed a stimmy boat. <laughs> well, let's <laughs> let's talk about the consequence of not having a down payment, Jason, because you can get the financing done if you don't have a twenty percent down. But let's talk about that. So sure. different types of loans, right? So uh, you hear the word conventional loan thrown around, right? The down payment for a conventional loan is anywhere between three percent and twenty percent. Oh, thanks for the, the clarification. <laughs> yeah, so twenty percent is what I always thought was a conventional loan, right? Yeah. Meaning you can put twenty percent down, no PMI involved. So PMI is involved in a conventional loan if you have three percent down. PMI is a, an acronym for private mortgage insurance. So if a bank is going to give you a loan and they don't have the collateral if you default right away, right. they're going to allow you to pay for an insurance premium that makes up that difference if and when they repo the house. This, right? is, I, this is just so nuts. You're paying an insurance premium. So if you decide to not make payments, <laughs> the bank is made whole, right? You are essentially convincing the bank with your money every month that you aren't trustworthy and they should have (laughs) an insurance policy to cover it. And I find this like unbelievably offensive. Like it's just a, and this is expensive. Oh yeah. These, this is hundreds of dollars and you're getting house prices in the four or $600,000 range. You're talking hundreds and hundreds of dollars every single month that is going to protect the bank. Yeah. And you know, you, you may, Make your payments on time. You may be a good borrower and all, but that's hundreds of dollars. If that's the case, that you're throwing away. And what what did what did you buy with those hundreds of dollars a month? It was it was impatience. That's usually I what didn't it, have yeah. a down payment, but I wanted this house, so I'm willing right. to throw this money away monthly until until I get there, until I have twenty percent equity in the house. Exactly. Right? 
And we know that banks aren't quick about dropping that, by the way. No. Um, there are other <laughs> loans who have this type of insurance that are, are for the life of the loan, by the way. So right. that's conventional financing in a nutshell. Um, there Put a are down other... payment down. Avoid PMI. Yeah, absolutely. Avoid PMI like the plague. FHA is another one. Uh, FHA financing. Um, off the top of my head, I can't remember. Fair housing. Fair housing authority, I think. Uh, yeah. Three and a half percent down for an FHA loan. Yeah. There's a lot of red tape that goes along with FHA loans, you know, lead paint checks. There's a lot of really goofy stuff, actually. If you're selling your house and you say, we have a conventional offer mm-hmm. on the table and we have an FHA, most of the time you're going to say, give me the conventional, even if it's a little bit less, because all the little things that you have to do to make it FHA conformable <laughs> takes a while. Takes a while. What you hear a lot of times is, well, there's no PMI on an FHA loan. Bam, bam. That might be true. No private mortgage insurance. Uh, but there's something called MIP. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. And in Except a lot of it's cases... it's for the life of the loan. Yeah. It, it, right. It's for the life of the loan. And you generally pay something up front right. as well as annually. That's okay? right. Same kind of a thing. You're insuring against yourself from default. You're insuring to make the bank whole in right. case you don't pay. Absolutely. VA is another one. That's a zero down, Jason. Zero down. Now, I am all for taking care of veterans. We appreciate the service. Be careful, veteran, if you're applying for these types of loans, though. Zero percent down, zero PMI. Sounds too good to be true. Well, watch out. Upfront and annual guarantee fees. Okay. Lots of fees. Yep. What we find is while you might not have quote unquote PMI or private mortgage insurance, there's usually a cost of securing these loans without a down payment. Right. Yep. While in general, you know, VA is a, a good program, um, there, there's a cost to this. There's a cost to the 0% down. Yeah, I mean, I would generally try to stay away from VA loans. I know it's a good program. I know, again, I'm all for veterans, but those fees are steep. I mean, it, this is yeah. an expensive way to finance a house. And it is that I don't want to wait kind of mentality, zero down kind of thinking. So lots of them are done. I know that, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to steer clear. So another one that pertains to us out here in rural Northwest Ohio is the USDA loan. Yep. USDA, uh, you're hearing that and thinking, what in the world does the USDA have to do with lending, (laughs) right? Uh, It's because we're in rural America. Right. This is another 0% down typically for first-time home buyers with no PMI. You do have the MIP or the uh, you right. know, the guarantee fees and things of that nature. Yeah, it's similar to the VA, uh, you have to be in a certain zone right. uh, to qualify for this kind of loan. But 0% down sounds really good, Jason. Why is that not great for... We know why it's not great for a lender, but why is that not great for a purchaser to have 0% down? Yeah, I mean, so your payments are going to be a lot higher from a, on a month-to-month perspective. You're also going to be potentially up against your house being upside down. Mm-hmm. So you're in Fort Collins, Colorado, and your median home price is 634 right now. And 12 months from now, it starts to soften and the price drops. Mm-hmm. And it goes to, you know, let's say it's 575 you're not, you now owe more than the house is worth. Yep. And you know, there's, that's just a huge risk. And that got a lot of people in trouble back in 2008. Especially if you're in a transient kind of a job. Absolutely. And you relocate. Yeah. Uh, if you, if you've moved a lot, especially, I mean, you know yourself best, this is like really dangerous. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of the reasons we always tell people that are, you know, kind of the transients, the nomads, just rent. 
Yeah, it's not a bad thing to rent. I think our culture here is uh, that the American dream is to for everybody to be a homeowner. I'm here to tell you it's not for everyone. That's right. There are many days that I, many nights I should say, <laughs> that I've I've woken up to something breaking in the house and thinking, <laughs> I wish I was renting, you know? Uh, so no, it's not for everybody. I think it's kind of been forced on consumers that this is the American dream. Right. But it, it's not for everybody. There's no shame in renting. Is it more expensive to rent typically? Well, yeah, but there's freedom there right. uh, that you have with renting that you don't necessarily as a homeowner. Now, obviously, I, b- I believe in real estate as an investment. Sure. The, you know, the chance for an asset to appreciate, obviously what we kicked off the episode with was a 17% year-over-year gain in home values across the board. It's pretty attractive. Uh, that's pretty attractive, right? That's a nice diversifier in a portfolio. Did you it's- sell? No, I did not. You know why? Because I have to replace it with something else that's 17. You need a place to live. Right, exactly. Um, but, you know, if, if you are if you own multiple homes or you're a landlord or something like sure. that, yeah, it's great for portfolio diversification. Right. It's great if you have a second home, which is another reason, honestly. You know, I think a lot of people wonder, well, why, why do we talk about this home shortage? Well, think about it. How many people do we know here in Northwest Ohio, Jason, that have their house in Ohio? Mm-hmm. But they also have a home that they own in Florida. Right. Right. So you have people owning multiple houses. Correct. Uh, that, that's another reason, I think, yeah, for I mean, the, the shortage. Lake houses, things like that. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, let's let's put some math behind it. Yeah, let's okay? do that. So, uh, you know, you're probably wondering after listening listening to us drone on, and, and if I got to tip my hand and say, what do I suggest? Well, I like a conventional 15-year mortgage. Do yourself a favor. If you look at an amortization schedule, a 15 versus a 30, what you're going to see is on a 30, you're paying way more in interest every month from the get-go. It's unbelievable. At, at a 15, at least it's it's half and half, right? And you're going the right way. It's still way. not great. <laughs> it's not great. But at least you're, you know... You're you're gonna pay more principal over the lifetime of that loan, right? So you know that's where we stand on that typically. But let's talk about how much to spend. There's an old rule that's uh, that's used in banking, and and I think there are a lot of opinions on this. I think Dave Ramsey is. I, I don't want to misquote him here, but I know a lot of people look at him as the guru. I don't know if it's 25 percent of your gross income. It's actually housing. not gross. He uses net. He uses net. Yeah. So 25 percent of net is what is what he uses. Uh, I think like the 28 percent. Yeah, that's a gross number that that most banks will look at. Mm -hmm. Not saying that they won't finance you, but this is kind of the sweet spot, right? 28% of your gross income. uh, We're we're talking about something called the the 28-36 rule. The 36 is the percentage of your overall debt service, debt obligations on a monthly basis. So this is credit card, car loans, it's everything, student loans. I I mean, I'm pretty comfortable in that range, 28% of your gross. So it's not a one or the other, it's a both, right? 28% 28% of your gross monthly income and then total debt service of 36% on a monthly basis. Obviously, we'd like that number to be lower. So take your paycheck, times it by 28%. It's going to give you a good idea what you can afford for total payment. Yes, total. This includes our going back to our things to consider. Right. Principal, interest, taxes, insurance, MI, PMI, right. homeowners association, fees, those types of things, right? You got to put it in there because you're going to blow your budget up if you don't. And the bank doesn't care. No, okay. because here's here's what a lot of people don't understand. Have you ever financed or refinanced or purchased a house at one bank and the next thing you know, you're getting a statement from another bank? Yeah, exactly. They right? sell they that. They package these loans. They sell them. You look at FA, uh, FHA, excuse me, VA, USDA. These are all conformable. These are packaged 
the the bank writes the loan, they get their fee, they sell it, and they're done with it. Exactly. The days of the local bank guaranteeing your loan and holding it in their portfolio are long gone. There's a few of those instances. There's some. There's some. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, this is like this is this is intense. It was intense, and I'm ready to cash out. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having a drink with us this week. It's time to close out that tab. If you have a question or a topic you want addressed on the Old Fashioned Finance Podcast, be sure to email us at podcast at bluejfg.com. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to share the show with someone you love or someone who needs a little money muddling themselves. You can stay up to date with the latest action by following us on Facebook. Old Fashioned Finance is brought to you by Blue Jay Financial Group. That's bluejfg.com and produced by Pottery Studios. We've been your hosts, Caleb and Jason. Cheers. Ay, ay, ay. Blue Jay Financial Group, LLC. Blue Jay is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of Ohio. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The presence of this advertisement on this podcast shall not be directly or indirectly interpreted as a solicitation of investment advisory services to persons of another jurisdiction unless otherwise permitted by statute. Follow-up or individualized responses to a consumer in a particular state by Blue Jay and the rendering of personalized investment advice for compensation shall not be made without first complying with jurisdiction requirements or pursuant an applicable state exemption. All verbal and written consent on this presentation is for information purposes only. Opinions expressed herein are solely those of Blue Jay unless other otherwise specifically cited. Material presented is believed to be from reliable sources, and no representations are made by our firm as to other parties' informational accuracy or completeness. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation.